0: Sir David asked me to share just a little bit about um, tithe and how the Lord has used um, just his grace in our life. I talked to Mike last week and I said, man, your, um, your testimony was glamorous. And he's like, Omar, what was glamorous about it? I said, well, because you started early on giving to the Lord faithfully. And to me, that's beautiful because you got it way earlier in life than I ever did. And so I was thankful for the testimony of Mike and Patty Matthews last week. Uh, Growing up, uh, my first job I ever received was with my dad's lawn care business. And I was a mower. I didn't do the weed whacker because it was too long. It was taller than I could hold it. And so my dad said, "Um, Omar, I I will pay you a dollar a yard. And at the time, I didn't know better. And so I was like, that sounds great. Dollar a yard sounds fantastic. The problem, we would work about two 10-hour days, and we would do about 60 yards every weekend. So I'm working 20 hours only to make how much? Not a lot of money, $60. And I remember my dad coming up to me. He's like, hey, here's your money. Uh, You need to tithe on that. I was like, are you kidding me? Tithe on $60? Like, I'm going to have $54 left over. Like, that's nothing. I'm already getting nothing. And he didn't tell me that there's a dad tax. So, like, you get to sleep in his house. You get to eat the food he provides. And so there was that thrown in. Didn't understand at the young age. So my lack of trusting the Lord with my finances was not because of a lack of upbringing, I was obedient to my parents, but I was not being obedient to the Lord. And as I got older, as I got married, and we started a family, God called us to to ministry early on. And I used this horrible excuse that I would tell the Lord, I am serving your church, and I am staying up late at times with volleyball games, football games, going to track meets. And so God, my time is the tithe I'm giving to you, and I withheld the money that the Lord had been so gracious to even give us, and for many years, that was the mentality that I had. If you're visiting this morning, my wife and I have been given five boys by the Lord, and she was able to stay home while they were little for most of them, I think all of them. And so it was really tight as a youth pastor, part-time worship leader. We didn't make a whole lot of money. Um, we were, uh, my, when my third son was born, we were living in 600 square feet of living, um, five of us in that small of a house. And, um, there was a day we had $88 left in our bank account to last two weeks. And I was like, God, this won't, even la- this won't even put gas in my cars. Like, it was a Thursday night. I remember bawling. Just, why did you call me to this church? This was up in Fort Worth. And to fail, like, I'm supposed to feed my wife and these three boys, and I can't afford to do that. Like, you have to show up. I remember waking up the next morning, and I went to the mailbox, and there was an, one envelope in there. And I opened it, and it said to Omar, Vicky, and the boys, it was a family from our previous church and said, "We uh, love you, and we felt led by the Lord to give this gift to you, and it was a check for fifteen hundred dollars." And I was like, "I lost it," kind of like now. And I just thought, God, I don't, I don't deserve your grace or your love in my life. And you would think that Omar would get it right then And I didn't I just used that money to buy groceries To put gas in the car Um, uh, Months later um, We were kind of getting our feet on the ground And and, uh, I was teaching Sunday school And I was telling the students This week I want you just to give your life to the Lord In whatever way he tells you to do it If he tells you to go help your neighbor And mow their grass Do it Don't hesitate A lot of them didn't have uh, jobs, and so their tithe really was just an act of service or just however they could do whatever that week would look like. And I said, "And I'll I'll make a commitment to you. If you guys are faithful and obedient, I'll do the same thing. And I remember I stood up, and I pushed my chair in, and the Lord, I felt like with the megaphone said, I want you to give $1,000 today. I was like, that's not you, Lord, because you know what our bank account looks like and I think we have a thousand dollars but it has to last us two weeks and there's groceries and bills and all these things and so I'm walking to the to the gym uh, from the gym to the worship center and I'm just wrestling with the Lord God I want to be faithful but you know we can't do that like that's just not possible and so then we I'm getting up on stage, and I felt like every song was like, give your gifts to the Lord. And I mean, it was just like, come on, seriously. And I remember I walked, usually when I walk up after the worship set, I'll go up into the sound booth, and I'll just begin praying over you guys. And I was praying over the congregation at the time, and I said, God, would you just move with your spirit in a way that people will respond to your word? And he said, Omar, it begins with you. I was like, I knew you were going to say that. And so I texted my wife. I was like, I think we're supposed to give $1,000 today." And her response was, what? Question mark, exclamation point. Like, why in the world do we need to do that? And I said, I, I'm pretty sure it's the Lord telling us. She said, if it's the Lord, you better give it right now. But if this is you trying to be gracious, do not write the check. And I was like, okay, it's from the Lord. She said, then give it. And I remember I gave the tithe, $1,000, and I just had this, this burden kind of like lifted. I was like, oh, I feel so good I followed the Lord's leading that's and it, there was a piece that I can't even describe that came on my life and so service goes people are leaving I was a worship guy so I was the last one to kind of shut everything down and I'm about to turn the lights off in the worship center and my drummer comes running in the building he's like oh Mark, I gotta talk to you real quick and um, he said the Lord laid this on our heart this morning, and we wanted to be faithful to give it to you. I was like, bro, sounds great. I thought you were gonna leave the church. So a gift is great, you know. Give him a hug. And and he walks away, and I get in my car and I open up the envelope, and it's a check for a thousand dollars. Like, yeah. And I thought, that's so cool. <laughs> Like, I was faithful with this little bit, and God showed up in a mighty way. And you would think Omar would get it in that moment. Omar didn't. And so I, this was the, the excuse I would use also was that, God, we have a lot of debt. We were charging milk and bread just to eat. Like, it was literally that bad. And how am I supposed to give more money? There's no way. So fast forward just a few more, a few years ago, um, all the bills were still there. All of our credit cards were racked up, student loans, et cetera. And a brother asked me, how is your giving? I was like, mm, it's great. I'm giving my time. My, my tithe is my time. And, um, just kind of in love was like, Hey, do you, do you, do you have debt? And I was like, I do, I do have debt. And, um, what are, what are those debts? And I was like, we got student loans, we got credit cards. Well, who are some of those credit cards? We have American Express, Capital One. And um, he's like, can I ask you a question? Have you put your faith in American Express more than you have the Lord Almighty? I was like, that's silly. No. He said, how many payments did you miss sending to American Express these last 12 months? I haven't missed one. In fact, I've been a few days early, so my credit score is great. He's like, how many tithe checks did you write to the church this last 12 months? I'm like, who are you trying to ask me, bro? Like you wanna throw down? Let's fight right now. Get out of my Kool-Aid. Those are sincere, sincere thoughts. I was like, back off. But I walked away and I thought, God, there is so much truth to what was just shared. I have trusted American Express and Capital One and my mortgage and all of these other things before you. Like, it was a hard pill to swallow. But I remember confessing to the Lord, I repent, I'm so sorry, I want to be obedient with everything you've given me because I've realized now that the house I'm living in is not mine, it's the Lord's. My wife that God has given me is not mine, it's the Lord's. My children are not mine, they're the Lord's. So nothing I own is even mine. And the Lord allowed a brother and the spirit to rack and change my mind and my heart. And so fast forward to today. The Lord has been even more kind and gracious He's allowed us to get into a home that never in a million years would I dream that God would give us keys to this house. We have paid off more student debt and almost all of our credit cards, and we've been given more to the church. Christy said it last week. God's economy is not the same, and I always equate it back to the miracle that Jesus did. Jesus took five loaves, and he took two fish, in American mathematics, that's seven. But in God's mathematics and his economy, it's five thousand with twelve remaining. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It still hurts. I wish I could go back and give more. But I can't. But I can change today. And that's what I've been focusing on. Is that I am never going to withhold a dollar from the Lord. Not because of what He gives me in return, but because what He has so freely given us. And so I just want to ask you the same question that was asked to me. Do you trust insert insert your bank account or your house or whatever, do you put trust in those things or do you put your trust in the Lord? And my hope is that maybe you need to repent today. Praise the Lord if that's the case. Maybe the Lord's saying, ah, you've been withholding this. Can I just encourage you, when you give freely to the Lord, A, you're being obedient, but then he freely gives it back. And it's mainly just his spirit and his presence in your life in a beautiful way. Father God, I thank you that you have given us each in this room a story. I feel like mine's unique because I wasn't faithful for all those years, and I hate that, but I'm thankful that you're kind enough to give us grace and forgiveness. So God, I pray for maybe the brothers or sisters in this room that might be struggling with their finances, that if they look at their their spreadsheet and their money coming and their money going out, there is literally nothing left. But God, can, can I just ask you to do a work like you did in mine so that they can feel the freedom and the joy it is to give freely. Again, not because of how you repay, but just because of the closeness that you will provide in their life. God, we give you praise and glory for today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for letting me share that a little bit.
1: And I knew I was going to be following Omar's testimony. But I, I, I can't tell you enough what a privilege it is to serve alongside of the ministers on staff at First Baptist. I mean, it is uh, a joy... Sorry, I played with my mic. So if you're having problems out there, it's, it's on me because I played with it earlier. So It is a joy and a privilege because here's what I have learned working alongside of this team. Is that when the Lord speaks into our life, into their life, there's that natural human reaction. I've never seen it without any of us. That Lord, you know, there are people that are worse than what I'm doing in my life, you know. But I've never seen a time where one of these ministers has walked away and not come back saying, I wanna be obedient to wherever God's leading me and telling me. And so in, in the reality of being a part of our church family, um, if you are visiting with us the first time, we are so glad that you're here. If you want to come and just see uh, a few guys and girls put on a great show for Jesus, um, we'll have to point you to another church. Um, Because our staff desperately wants you to understand that we have and are experiencing the compassion of God in our life through discipline, through joy, through victory, through success, through uh, loss. And because we've experienced his compassion, it compels us, it compels us to invite you to know the same thing that we're growing in. And it's pretty potent. And so, Omar, thank you for sharing um, with us today. Um, I, I knew following um, Pastor Omar's testimony that um, staying where we are is really important. As we're in Christmas season, as uh, our staff is doing something pretty amazing, and just sharing just some of the tenderness of, of God's teaching to us, um, that I wanted to keep you in the same place. And so my Bible looks a little bit different today. Um I talk about it a lot, but, but this is where I do most of my, my writing. Um, I really would call it my scribbles, not my journal, um, but this is the Gospel of Luke, and just was starting on it again the other day, and so I got myself another copy, and it's got a blank page on this side, and the Bible on this side, and so um, I've tried the Bible that has wide margins on the side, and the problem is I try to write small enough in there that two weeks later I go back, and what cannot happen? i can't read that stuff we were at a graduation yesterday and it was amazing they brought out a bible that was like three feet tall and this wide i thought there's a bible i can read like i can do that um but but if you're visiting with us today we do use the whole bible this is just the gospel of luke number one so if you're like i'd visit a church where they only used one book of the bible that's not true but there were just some things I scribbled in as I was looking at this week that that kind of made me just think of God's care and his message of Christmas and Luke two fourteen differently and uh, and so since I've asked our team to let the Lord be visible through their personal stories. I just thought I'd let it be visible through mine a little bit more today as well. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter two. We're gonna spend about 95% of the next 20 minutes in Luke chapter one and Luke chapter two uh, as we walk through this. Um, because as I, as I started thinking about um, embracing God's favor and how difficult that is for many of us, um, I started reading the story of Christmas this a little bit differently. Luke chapter two, uh, verse 14, we've read it the last few weeks. I'll turn there. I don't have it marked there because I, I haven't gotten to that part of this, this journal. It says this, glory to God in the highest <clears throat> and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Pleased. You know, it's hard for me to hear the word pleased without thinking God's chicken, which is technically Chick-fil-A, right? It was church's chicken through most of my life growing up, but then Chick-fil-A came in. And every time you go to Chick-fil-A, when you say thank you, people say what? It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And so uh, years ago, I read the story of Chick-fil-A, and it's a pretty incredible story of, of how God moved that in uh, Truett Cathy's heart. But he walked into the Ritz-Carlton one day, Um, and he said, thank you to the bellman or whoever was helping him. And they said, well, it's my pleasure. And it made such an impact on him that he didn't just say you're welcome or no problem. He just said, no, it's like, it's my joy to help you. Like if you aren't here, basically I still want to help you. And so he, he had this idea that, that his business would be one where people kind of had that second level of hospitality, um, so when people walked in, they would think it's, it's the person who's helping them out's joy to do what they're doing, and you happen to walk into their sphere, so it's their pleasure. Now, just to be known, there are probably days at Chick-fil-A people have to say it's my pleasure, and they don't really mean it because you were a jerk, but <laughs> it's kind of different when we think of something being our pleasure to do and not earned. So I just started going through different translations of scripture and I wanna walk with you here in a moment because I grew up again with Charlie Brown and different versions of the Bible. And sometimes the Bible can be a little confusing. Because when translators translate the the word, many try to translate it word for word, like our best word for their best word, educate yourself so that you can understand it. That's really one end of the spectrum, it's totally legitimate. There's other ends that are like, well, I wanna do the best that I can to use a a, a definition or a word that makes sense that we would use today and line into that, and that's a fine thing too. But I think the key with all of it is that a, a good translator wants you to understand God's word for what it is it's not about the word they picked or not but listen to how Luke two fourteen is translated in a few of the popular Bibles <clears throat> the Bible says this the New King James Version some of you can say amen to that I know you've been dying for that New King James glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men the NIV says it this way Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Christian Standard Bible says it this way Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to the people he favors those sound a little bit different in that. And I think what I want to walk you through as we prep things out is to unintentionally scrub a little bit of our Western American culture from, from interpreting Scripture our way instead of letting it interpret us. Are you okay with that? Can we just scrub a little bit for just a moment? Let me tell you what that passage doesn't mean. When it says, um, I'll go back to ESV, uh, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So, So number one, it doesn't mean that mankind was so impressive and pleasing to god that he wanted to do something for us in return so he sent his son all right that is not what it means god was not so pleased that you're so awesome that he just wanted to do something special that is not what scripture is saying um it is not a statement of predestination or predetermination In other words, it's not like God sent his son Jesus for the few people that he was pleased with and would later on be pleased with. That's actually an exclusive statement. If you read the way the passage is written, it's an inclusive statement. In other words, God is making something really available. He's not just saying, I'm putting him here for a few. It's not universalism though. It's not universalism what that scripture is not saying is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased he's just pleased everybody gets into heaven no matter what you think of him act about him or anything like that it's not that's not true and and believe it or not just reading an article gosh just yesterday driving me nuts about people who are putting letters behind their names and trying to go back and say, well, this word, it wasn't existing back then. So so, so X, Y, they just try to confuse you with an intellectualism that is worldly-based. It's not even scripturally sound. So let me, let me be very clear. Not only is this not exclusive in saying God sent this peace message for a few folks, it's definitely not universalism that says... And God was just plea to bring salvation and give it to everyone regardless of who you are, where you are, how you are, or what you do with it. Here's what it does mean. So if we just pull it apart very slowly, right? If you you look in your Bible, it says, among those with whom he is pleased. If you have your ESV, if it's not, it's a little different. The word among is a preposition of location. Okay, here's what I mean by that is, I I want you to know that I am standing among you today. You follow me? You got that? Right? I'm not not sitting in your lap, right? Not holding your hand. I'm not one with you. I'm not even even giving you a high. I'm just, I'm here, right? So that's what it just means is among, right? It's a preposition of location. Uh, The second one is those right? And your Bible says people, it says men, those is simply mankind, right? So glory to God in the highest, peace among people, right? Mankind is different than all created living things. Do you follow me on that? It's not just barren like straight creation it's not something like that it's peace among but specifically among people you know what there are other things in this room I could be aware of there are pews there is carpet there are lights there is wood there's musical instruments but honestly when I stand and preach I don't think today I'm preaching among the pews well I mean when you don't come to church I feel like that but (laughs) someone left that a lot that was good (laughs) but I'm thinking of you. I'm among you. And so so that's what this goes up to. And then with whom he is pleased is one word, right? Edokia. And it just means good pleasure. So if we were to go say that, we would say glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among mankind, good pleasure. Like if we were just to make really bad statements come together, that's what it would mean. So I had to scribble that out and make it into a sentence that made sense to me and I hope it makes sense to you. It was God's good pleasure to bring peace into the world, the vicinity of mankind. That's, that's what the angel's saying. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. It is God's good pleasure to bring peace through and in Jesus Christ into the world, the vicinity of mankind. He wasn't pleased by mankind, so he did it. He wasn't lonely, so he opened up the floodgates. God just had a happy, pleasurable thought. And he acted on it. And the angels are like, you should be in awe. Because it's incredible that he picked you isn't that incredible let me let me tell you what i thought as i scribbled in my bible and i really thought about me a ton and then later on in prayer i thought i would share it with you too i want to walk with you through the story of Zechariah, elizabeth and mary leading up to luke chapter 2 because i would love to have an easy sermon here and say you know what guys gals Since God was so pleased to bring peace, we would be fools not to just latch hold of him and just fall at our knees in joyful worship. Let's start that right now and we can close in prayer. I I wish that we were were that sharp, but remember God's not pleased because you and I are smart. He calls us sheep, which are dumb. And so I just want you to walk through my heart and mind journey and maybe it's yours too. Luke chapter one, verse five. We'll read all the way down through verse 19. God's word says this. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron, and and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. Now, while he, Zechariah, was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel, the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of the incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and he fell upon And fear fell upon him. Now pause for a second, because we'll keep going. Keep your thumb in verse 13. When I got to that point, I stopped and I had to write something down. I wonder if you had the thought too. The holiness of heaven could only be awe-striking to our broken gaze. Overwhelmed by the truth that no one was worth such company. I think I would have been troubled too. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. You know, when the Lord encounters us in our daily life, his holiness is awe-striking. And and I think when I I saw Zechariah respond just to the angel, not to the Lord Almighty himself, that trouble became very real and, and, and true for me because I thought, Lord, the only way that your presence and your messenger and your holiness doesn't strike awe in my life is if I'm turning my back to you and I'm speaking to you through some device. In other words, I'm ignoring you while I try to communicate with you. Do you know when we do counseling and and we help out others, I mean, video counseling is is good, but face-to-face matters because it's amazing how our thought processes differently when I'm looking at someone than when I'm just typing aimlessly on Facebook. You follow me on this? Anyone ever been unintentionally rude on Facebook that you would have never said that in person? Maybe in a text message. The only time when God is not awe-striking to us is when you're treating your relationship with him like a Facebook message very impersonal you don't have to read what he says but you gave him a piece of your mind humbly church when we look at Zechariah and we think the presence of God is awe striking if it makes you a little anxious sometimes about approaching the Lord don't worry about that just don't let it drive you away Look at verse 13 with me. We'll go down a little further. Verse 13 says this. But the angel said to him, hey, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He'll go before him in the spirit, in the power of Elijah, and turn hearts of their fathers to their children and the disobedient uh, to the wisdom of the just, and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Y'all, listen. I mean, most of the time, if you read like Revelation, when people see God, they fall dead, he says, gets up. When in the Old Testament, you see an angel, they fall down in fear, and the angel says, get up. Zechariah falls down in fear, he's afraid and the angel says no listen don't be afraid I am telling you good could you imagine this is if I remember Ed McMahon and the, the 10 million dollar check or whatever that was back in the day sweepstakes if Ed McMahon knocked on your door and you saw him with that big old 10 million dollar check or whatever no one was like close the door honey something's wrong like the people, it was awesome. The angel has said, "No, no, no, no! I am not here to take your life. Totally understand your response, but I am here because you will have a son, because you will have great joy, you will have gladness, you will rejoice. God is going to use this son to do great things." And then look what Zechariah says. I love it. Just the first part of verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel. How shall I know this? I mean, chew on that for one second. The angel said, you're going to have joy. You're going to have life. Your wife's going to be pregnant. She's going to have this son that's going to be filled with the Lord. Like with the presence of the Lord. Many will rejoice at his birth. And John says, I mean, Zacharias, just a question. So how will I know this? angels aren't God and if if I am the angel I'm like God I know you're pleased to bring peace to people like this what in the world here's what I wrote how will I know this God This is so much like me. God lays this path of fullness and grace before me. And I want to wrestle with it. I want to dissect how I can help God fulfill his pleasure. And how I can help it come to pass. Oh, how I long for what you long for, God. A man who simply hears and accepts, trusts, and obeys. Some of you are engineers in this room. And so I know your mind works like mine in Zechariah's, where it just says, God, I know you've told me life is going to be good if I... If I just live for, if I'm just yours, if I'm just following you, if I'm just just here, like I don't have to do anything but trust and obey. And you have told me fullness and grace and life. I mean, in Zechariah, you're even gonna have a baby and this is gonna be a story. And yet God's pleasure, it just makes more worldly sense to say, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with the good guys. And God, I wanna be a good guy because I want your peace. That feels like I can do something about it. How can I know this? And church, I would encourage you not to let your heart go to disbelief like Zachariah's. The angel said, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, don't make angels like roman silly little things imagine the angel of the almighty god zacharias just talked back to him and this is what gabriel says (laughs) he says how shall i know this for i'm a man and a wife advanced in years verse 19 you have to read me in your bibles and on the screen and the angel said to him i am gabriel I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you good news, uh, to speak to you and to bring you good news. Stop being a goober. I mean, right? I mean, I just, I, if I'm, if I'm, I'm scared again. He says, hey, you want to know how you're going to know? <laughs> you're not going to be able to talk again until the baby's born. You're welcome my pleasure (laughs) I can imagine Zachariah going oh that was dumb I should have kept my mouth oh that's why he did this it's God's pleasure to offer peace receive it you don't have to dissect it you don't have to figure it out you don't have to earn it. Just trust him and obey. A little further down, I'm always careful about criticizing women in the Bible. <clears throat> but I had an Elizabeth moment while I was reading too. So obviously he can't talk. He comes out. Everybody's like, well, obviously he saw some kind of vision because now he can't talk. And he's just walking around doing this. Look in your Bible at verse 24 and verse 25. Um, I want to show you that, and then we'll read a little bit more. This is Elizabeth's story, Zechariah's wife. After after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. And I'm telling you, when I read that, I've read that a million times in my life, but when I'm thinking about peace and I'm actually saying, David, Lord, what are you trying to say to me in this passage? Here's what I wrote down. And I wonder if you've ever thought the same thing too. I wonder why she kept it hidden. I wonder why she hid herself away for five months after getting the most incredible news she's ever experienced. Maybe she was like me. Afraid to accept God's lavish favor with joy for fear she would lose it or screw it up and he would take it all back. Hmm, I don't know. But I knew how, don't know how often I refuse the joy that was sent to me by my silliness. Have you ever been there? Like the favor of God's just too beautiful and you don't want to mess it up. The joy that God sets before you is so incredible that you would rather hide it under a bushel so at least no one can steal it. At least you can't fumble the ball. (laughs) And then the God who gave you something you didn't earn might take away that something that you didn't earn by actions that you do you see we steal our peace don't we i mean we can walk away from that in our life glory to god in the highest and peace on earth among mankind because it was his pleasure to send it church you don't have to be afraid about trusting god for fear you might mess it up or we don't say it in church very often god may let you down both of those things are silly and for five months elizabeth god took away her approach and i just thought if i were elizabeth never been pregnant or a woman ladies so i apologize if I were Elizabeth, I could see David Adams saying, God, you have given me this baby. I don't want to do anything that could endanger him. So just tuck me away. Mm. If you have your Bible, flip forward just a touch. We'll finish Elizabeth's story a little bit. Verse 36 through verse 43. This is when Mary visits her. The angel's done t- finishing up talking to Mary. <clears throat> and the Bible says this. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. For this is the sixth month. How many months did she hide away? You like this? This is the sixth month with her who called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me among your word. And the angel departed from her. Verse 39, and in those days, Mary's rose and she went in haste to the hill country in the town of Judea. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. I just came to think I just wondered when Elizabeth finally came out of hiding when she finally said God I'm going to trust you for whatever reason the Lord said I know you thought being pregnant with John would be your biggest blessing ever for five months you've been hiding away let me show you now that you've come back out in the light You don't have to be afraid of losing the joy of my promise. What you just really need to be afraid of is missing out on it because you keep your head buried and you think, God, I'll be satisfied with the mud pie when I've promised you riches and lavish blessings of my relationship. I did the math. Five months, Mary came in the sixth month, stayed with her three months. I wonder if Mary went home because Elizabeth was about to give birth. greatest joy of Elizabeth's life was not John. She says, what have I done to deserve the visit from the woman who carries my Lord in her womb? Church, God's peace is his pleasure to give. He just invites you to receive him and believe in it. Elizabeth knew it. She told to Mary, blessed are you because you believed in the what? Fulfillment. And I thought, "Oh, I can hear a wife's thought. I wasn't completely sure at the beginning if God would allow me just to be pregnant or if he would fulfill that promise. Don't hide from God's peace. Run to it. To close, I'll walk with you through Mary's life you have your Bible, look at verse 26 through 38. God's Word says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, how much like us like greetings oh favored one of the lord god can you talk to someone else you're scaring me a little bit i get it if he says greetings we have a lot to talk about like hide i'm okay but greetings oh favored one the lord is with you mary's troubled and why is she troubled y'all oh so much like me verse 29 She tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. God, what are you up to? You're gonna call me to be a missionary in Peru, Southeast Asia? You're gonna call me to let go of something and follow you? What's up? The angel said, don't be afraid. you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, He will call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, totally legitimate question, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the most high will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called holy and the son of God and behold your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son she's in the sixth month and she was barren nothing's impossible with God Mary said behold I am a servant of the Lord let it be Let it be to me according to your word. When a messenger from the king says, greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary says, what's the catch? She can't wrap her mind around it. What has she done to earn God's favor? In truth, nothing. God just chose to favor her. It pleased him to do so. Oh, that we would accept God's favor for what it is, his pleasure to have the divine revelation and his pleasure to carry it through full of mercy and grace. church this morning as we think about that proclamation it's God's pleasure to offer peace through his son Jesus Christ to you and me Zachariah was righteous and he was disciplined because even the righteous Sunday school attending church member had doubts And the angel said, It's God's pleasure, (laughs) but you still need to grow. To Elizabeth, the faithful wife, it was God's pleasure to bring peace and to make her the one who would bear the one who would prepare the way. I wonder if she was just afraid to lose the greatest blessing she'd ever been given so she hid. If you're hiding today because you're afraid of what God will call you to, then I'm telling you, you're probably robbing yourself of months or years of joy God has in store for you. If you're like Mary and say, God, I don't get it. In fact, it's a little scary that I don't get it but let it be to me according to your will. (laughs) 33 years later, she would never have known her son would say something very similar to his father. In the garden as he prayed, knowing that for you to have peace He would have to carry the sin of the world on his shoulders and experience physical, spiritual, and emotional attack. God, not my will, Father, but yours. Let it be done according to your will. Ephesians 2 says this for you and me today. The same God who found it his pleasure to offer peace through Jesus Christ to be among us so that you and I could touch, taste, see and feel and know him it says that that God is rich in mercy and even while you were in sin it was his pleasure to make a way to salvation so this morning whether you identify with Zechariah or Elizabeth, or Mary, or Pastor David. Let me encourage you today. The Lord has brought peace in Jesus. Don't be afraid. You run to him. And you keep running to him and you hold tightly to him and you don't fight for his favor because you can't earn it. Just let his favor wash over you and you stay close. Trust and obey and see what he has in store. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this day. Oh, we praise you, God, that the angel's declaration wasn't just for a few choice people. And Father, we praise you that peace wasn't cheap. Some universalism garbage that says everyone will be saved because our God is so weak and so lonely. But glory to God in the highest, the highest of all highest. Because it was your pleasure to bring peace uniquely among mankind. So Father, if there's a single person in this room that does not know your pleasure in such a way today, God, would you let them say, God, let it be done according to your will in my life, God. I lay down my sins. I lay down my chains. I lay down control of my life. Lord, and I, and I wrap my arm around the Prince of Peace. Let it be according to your will. In Jesus' name.